ladies and gentlemen, family and friends from around the country and literally around the world. This is your host, hopefully one of your favorite deplorable brothers, David J. Harris Jr. And I have an amazing show for you all today. Thank you so much for choosing to spend a little bit of your day with me as I break down the truth, the news that's not drenched in liberal bias. It's unadulterated, it's raw, it's real, and it's more important than ever that we all get the truth. Today's broadcast is brought to you by my good friend Mike Lindell's company, My Pillow. Friends, if you need to sleep well, if you want to feel good while you're sleeping, you've got to try Mike Lindell's pillows or his sheets or his mattress topper. I have all of those. My wife absolutely loves his sheets, as do I. There's nothing I love more than actually feeling comfortable, just that you feel so good and cool while you're sleeping. His new Giza sheets are absolutely amazing. Use the promo code David, that's my name, David, when you make your order at MyPillow.com and you can save up to 60%. Yes, Mike Lindell gave a special promo code for me, for you, my audience. So you can save up to 60%, need new pillows, need sheets, want to give your mattress a makeover, get that pillow topper, that mattress topper, just use the code David and you'll save up to 60%. So let's get into my show today. Today, I have the privilege and the honor of having another David on the show with me. This gentleman is absolutely amazing. He's truly one of a kind, David Benham. He was a former baseball player. Him and his brother had a show that was about to be huge on the uh, HGTV and uh, got into some controversy and it got canceled. But his story, not, not only it didn't stop there, it really just started, I think, a new chapter in him and his brother's life. They was going to share how just recently he was actually arrested for standing up for life. Uh, it's truly a privilege and an honor to have on my show today, Mr. David Benham. David, how are you doing today, my brother? Man, I am doing great. It's an honor to be on your show, David. Well, thank you so much you got for, uh, for joining me today. It was a blessing to get to do the event that we did in Albany, New York, Standing for Life with our good friend Elizabeth Johnston, the activist mommy. That was the first time I got to meet you in person, but have been a, a follower and a fan of you and your work and what you stand for for a long time, brother. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And I remember, I remember meeting you in that green room. And, you know, I've been in a lot of green rooms, bro, and, you know, everybody gets to meet everybody. And then when you dropped to your knees and started praying, I was like, whoa, who is this guy? (laughs) And I just thought, man, this is the kind of man I want to be around. So I really I really enjoyed Albany. And I'm so thankful you allowed me to be on your show to talk about my story. Absolutely. Well, you've got a lot going on in your story. We'll jump right into the most recent event. And then I want to do, if you, if it's okay with you, uh, I'd like to go back and even review, review some for the listeners that aren't aware of how hugely successful that you and your brother were about to become. And then the controversy, and we'll, we'll just clear that up and clear the air uh, if that's good with you. Uh, Absolutely. So most recently, you were arrested just last Saturday outside of an abortion clinic in an area where the abortion clinics were deemed essential business. And your organization, Cities for Life, had some workers out there, some of your people were out there to just be counselors. 
and you got arrested. Tell us what happened that day, what was going on, and just let's just start right there. Okay, so Saturday morning, I'm sitting at in my couch uh, drinking coffee with my wife, and I get a phone call from our attorney that said, hey, David, listen, there's about 15 police officers around our three sidewalk counselors, and they're threatening arrest. You need to get down here. And I was, I was stunned because first, we have a federally recognized public charity called Cities for Life. And inside these COVID-19 stay and shelter uh, ordinances and statutes, it talks about abortion access being essential, but it also mentions that federally recognized public charities are also essential. So our federally recognized charity is essential. So we had every right to be there. In addition, we went above and beyond and still exercised social distancing with our sidewalk counselors. We actually drew with sidewalk chalk on the sidewalk to make sure that we kept our distance. And we paired down to a skeleton crew. So, so how many people were out there? How many from your Cities for Life organization were out there that day? Yeah, we had three Cities for Life counselors. And then another pregnancy center had a mobile ultrasound unit where they had two ultrasound technicians. And that was it. That was the only people that were there when I arrived in front of the abortion clinic. So I arrive, I step out there, the police officer walks right up to me and says, you can't be here. This is a gathering of more than 10 people. And I said, well, first of all, there's not more than 10 people. But second of all, I'm the chairman of the board of a federally recognized public charity. We are essential inside this ordinance. You can't tell me to leave. And of course, there was some back and forth. And really, the only reason he told me to leave was because of where I was standing in front of an abortion facility. So he ended up making the arrest. I'd never been arrested before a day in my life, and he arrested me on the spot. Well, not a bad thing to be arrested for if you're going to be arrested for standing up for the lives of unborn babies and also being there for the mothers, you know, to give counseling. The the fact that this police officer had the felt that he had the right to arrest you is it should be alarming to every individual, no matter no matter what. Let me let me actually go to the clip because I love the way you handled it. I've been in uh, moments of intensity. You know, I've been in moments with the police. I've been in moments with the police when it wasn't for stand up for the lives of babies. So you talk about being arrested. Uh, I'm glad I, I can speak from experience. You don't want to be arrested for, for other things. But I've also had my encounters with the police when I had not, done nothing wrong. But I've been in those kind of situations and those kind of scenarios with not just police, but with uh, average American everyday citizens that seem to not approve of my stances on a lot of things, which one of them is uh, pro-life, but you handled it with extreme class. I'm going to show this clip right now. I want everybody to see and listen to how you handled this with the police. That abortion clinic exceeds the number of 10. And we are an essential federally recognized nonprofit charity that helps at-risk mothers and babies. We are within our rights to be here. We are practicing social distancing. We have cleaned our hands. We are offering help to these mothers. And if you're saying that we don't have the right to be here, then go in the abortion clinic and make the arrest there. I, I don't have the authority to go in the abortion but, clinic. So you you don't have the authority to go in the abortion clinic, but you have the authority to bully us and our sidewalk counselors. Yes, you are. Yes, you know. You, you know, you're trying to be nice. It's passive aggressive. But guess what's happening? I'm not budging. And our sidewalk counselors are not budging. I, I, I respect your rights, believe me. But at this time, can you please step over there? I'll step over here. Yes, Thank sir. You. I certainly will. Thank you. 
but you know we're right. You know we're right. And I appreciate you serving. I appreciate everything that you do for us. Yes, sir. But this is wrong and you know it. You cannot tell us to leave. Can't. You know, you know I am well within my constitutional authority to be here. You know that I'm. Yes, sir. It's my You know that we're doing the right thing. You need to go to the park and make arrests. Okay, so who has spare citations? I'm getting hers in just a second. She should get your ID. Sir, you know we are a federally recognized charity. I tell you. We wouldn't be doing this if we were not acting under the advice of our attorney. We, we have, I know you're acting under the advice of your attorney. We have the authority to be here. We do not feel like we had firm legal standing. I understand. We would not be doing this. I understand, and I appreciate your service. Okay, I really do. So that's why all these police officers are I here. I understand. We, we're prepared. I'm very thankful. For this, and, and we, you know, if you want to make this, draw this line in the sand. No, it's not me drawing the line in the sand. We Who are a recognized it? charity. Who is it? We are a recognized charity, and you it? know this. We are offering essential services to these mothers, and you know this. And we are practicing social distancing. We are doing everything well within the ordinance, well within the there's provisions. No, there's, there's, it's, it's a state statute. It's well within the statute. My brother, I don't know how you didn't absolutely lose it right there. What was going through your mind as they're putting handcuffs on you? You know, I actually I, I started to cry. You can hear it whenever I, I, I forgot what part, but I, I choked it back because I couldn't believe it's the first time I'd ever been arrested. I wasn't thinking about me like oh, I'm getting arrested, but I was so heartbroken for my country. I'm really my heart just is grieved, not with the presence of darkness, but the absence of light. I really want Americans to rise up and say these rights belong to us. Our government you know, they guarantee our rights. They don't give us our rights. Yes. And, and this whole COVID crisis, our First Amendment does not go in our it doesn't go out the door because we're in the middle of a global pandemic. And we but we went above and beyond. And, and yet they still it was the city attorney. One of the other officers was on the phone the whole time and they're just feeding each other. And he's just telling them, well, here's what the city attorney is saying. Here's what the city attorney is saying. But did you notice the man couldn't look me in the eyes? I mean, I couldn't I really right see that, there. but it I didn't look trying. like he was looking at you. It looked like he kept looking away. That's what was happening is he couldn't even look in no, the eyes. Couldn't. couldn't even look in my eyes. He knew he was not doing the right thing. And when he placed me under arrest and the two officers walking me to the police car, both of them, the, the one guy finally spoke up and said, we know why you're out here, Mr. Benham. And they didn't say anything else. But then he said, how can I make you more comfortable? And I'm like, man, my left hand's growing numb. Could you loosen it up? So he loosened up the cuffs on, uh, on, on my hands and just smiled at me and kind of gave a nod like, you know, he didn't say anything. And I, but I knew what he was communicating to me. Mm -hmm. Like, I wish I didn't have to do that. And, you know, I, I had several people like they should have just given you the they should have taken their badge off or whatever. Well, let me just say this. And, David, you, I know you know this to be true. It's the pastors of our land that need to be standing strong and showing men what honor really looks like. And yes. we can't be demanding that these police officers show us what kind of honor is, is when we have pixie stick Christianity with celebrity Christian leaders that are more concerned about their image, their income and their influence than they are about defending the unborn. Because yes. defending the unborn doesn't make you popular. Defending the unborn doesn't make you look cool. It doesn't help you with your spray tan or whatever the book deal you're trying to get. But defending the unborn might actually cost you something. 
And you talked about that at the beginning of this episode. That look, I remember when HG came to uh, HGTV came to us and said, "Guys, man, you're really vocal pro-life. Maybe you ought to back off of that a little bit." And I remember thinking, "Man, I'm not going to back off of this. I, wow. I don't care. I'm not going to sell my soul for a reality show. I'm not going to do it." And then, of course, you know, there's a lot more details to all of that. But we ended up losing the show. But it's the Holy Spirit that's inside of us, David. It's not me. I'm not strong enough to stand for what's right. I'm not strong enough to, to keep calm under pressure when I see things like this that are happening. But it's the Holy Spirit inside of me, and I'm bound by my Savior Jesus, and I'm filled with His compassion. And I just thank God for it. Yeah, well, we thank God for you too, brother. Is there going to be a lawsuit coming for, for that arrest? Have you thought about that? Oh, oh 100% there is. And yeah, uh, the Alliance be. Defending Freedom has Oh, and here's the here's the cool thing. I have attorneys from all over the country texting me. They all want the case. They all want it because they know they're going to win. <laughs> yes, I've, I've I've joined up with the Alliance Defending Freedom, and uh, they've already sent the city of Charlotte a stand down order, and it did not go over well. Unfortunately, there's also other pro life Christians. My good friend Justin Reeder with Love Life, you know him. He was in Greensboro a week before me. He got arrested. And now the city is, they're buckling down, they're doubling down their position, and they are going to get smacked by this in the court system. But the thing is, David, here's what's really, really behind this. It's a spiritual reality that yes. we win or lose, whether we win or lose in the court system, making the stand is victory. Being a voice for the unborn yeah. is victory. And that's what we as the church have to view this. And we got to do it lovingly. We have to do it with compassion, and we also want to do it by offering these mothers who are facing an unwanted pregnancy or an unplanned pregnancy, they're facing this alone, most of them. Right. They really want a choice, and so we plug them into social services. We help them through baby showers, medical assistance, housing assistance, whatever. We've got a whole network of ministries that are offering these solutions to these mothers. So we're not out here just saying, hey, don't get an abortion. We're out here loving these mothers loving these babies. And if our governor and our mayors want to knock us off the street because of love, they won't dare walk into an abortion facility and break them up because there were way more than 10 people gathered in there, a lot closer than we were. Yet they're not wow. doing anything about that, but they're coming after us. It's viewpoint discrimination and what I'm not going to stand by. How do you think we got here as a country where I mean, obviously, it's been a slow erosion, a moral erosion, an acceptance, and, and I can share my viewpoints on how on how I think we got here. But I want to hear from you. How do you think we got here as a country yeah. where it's so acceptable to murder so many unborn, innocent babies and then to even have the legal system and judges stand up for the rights of the mothers to kill those unborn babies while they'll take and arrest individuals that are trying to be there to support the mothers in the, that are trying to make one of the probably the most difficult decisions they'll ever make in their life. How do we get here? Well, I'll tell you, the easiest thing to do would be to point at the Democrats or the point at liberal people or to point at anyone else that we as conservatives could blame. The issue is the Church of Jesus Christ. And here's what I mean. Martin Luther King Jr., I loved his quote. He said, the church must be reminded that it is neither the master nor the servant of the state, 
Rather, it is the conscience of the state. Now, mm. think about that for a minute. If the conscience goes dark, if the conscience goes yes. quiet, what's going to happen? Think about your life. Think about my life. I can't imagine what would go in my life if my conscience went quiet. The church of Jesus Christ is the pillar and support of the truth Scripture teaches us. And if we are not going to speak the truth and speak it in love, and we're going to back up on all these social issues because it's political, that whole that is a lie. There is nothing in this world that God does not care about. He cares about marriage. He cares about human sexuality. He cares about when life begins. He yes. cares about representative government. He cares about our financial decisions. He cares about everything. And yes. yet celebrity Christian pastors, celebrity Christian pastors, honestly, and I'm not just blaming them, but I'm saying it. I would point my finger at a celebrity Christian pastor way before an elected leader. Even those yeah. on the left that are pushing these radical agendas, a celebrity Christian pastor is more concerned about his own platform than he is the presence of God in our city and in our nation. He's con more wow. concerned about his own image, income, and influence than he is the fact that our unborn children deserve a real father, a spiritual father that is willing to speak to these stronghold issues. And when those celebrity pastors sit quiet, and then the celebrities out of Hollywood, the celebrities from the, the media in New York, and all the university elite, they begin to step into that void. And it's their agenda. It's it's the agenda of darkness. They don't even know that the, what spirit they're serving under. And they're the ones pushing the agenda. And we sit back and say nothing because it doesn't make us look cool. We don't get the applause if we talk about life. We don't get the applause if we talk about value, the boundaries of God that lead to his blessings. So I point the finger right back at the church, and I'm asking God, Lord, I pray, beginning with me, let us get on our knees and ask you to forgive us, and let us get up and love the least of these. Jesus said, whatsoever you've done for the least of these, you've done as unto me. Yes. And so we see celebrity, even with big social media platforms and all big book deals and all this stuff, they'll cross-promote all these other popular people. Well, how about we go get a sidewalk counselor like Miss Vicky that sits out there in Charlotte that's been there for over a decade out in the heat, loving these moms, bringing these mothers into her home. Do you know, David, when I was being arrested and I had my cuffs on, that I had Miss Vicky inside the mobile ultrasound sonogram unit along with Miss Courtney, and they were ministering to Rena. And Rena was there to get an abortion, but Rena changed her <laughs> mind that day. And now she's been plugged into our life network. Wow. And now Rena's going to get a baby. She has a counselor <laughs> that's going to go with her to the prenatal visits. I'm telling you, this that is, is what so happened. amazing. Yeah. That is absolutely amazing. You know, your your program, your organization, nonprofit cities cities uh, for life, it's it's the right way to do it. It's not just picketing outside of an abortion clinic. It's not just trying to challenge women that are questioning whether or not they want to have this baby. You know, when women are questioning that and they go to something called Planned Parenthood that doesn't plan anything but murder, they're set up. The abortion clinic doesn't do a sonogram. The abortion clinic tr starts from beginning to end until they can take that baby out because it's a business to these abortion clinics. They start from the very beginning praying on those women and those women's emotional state that they're in where they're completely discombobulated with feelings of 
probably regret, shame, fear, all the things that go into not feeling like they have the ability or will be able to carry out a pregnancy and then raise a child. And you, with your organization, come in. And I love the fact that you have an RV there that does the ultrasounds. What are what are the statistics? Do you know some of the statistics of how many women, once they actually see the sonogram of their of their baby that's growing inside their belly, how many of those women decide to choose life? Yeah, and we partnered with a local pregnancy center called Health Pregnancy Center that that brought the mobile unit out there. We've helped raise money to keep it rolling through Cities for Life, and it's over 87% of mothers that see the sonogram uh, will choose life. And and here's what, but here's another thing, and here's what's really cool, David. When the, when the moms leave the abortion facility, and we have ministry in New York City and Manhattan at their big Planned Parenthood there, when those mothers walk out those doors, there ain't anybody following up. They don't have a network mm. of support, but our organization is there to support them. And the thousands of other sidewalk counselors and other pro-life organizations and pregnancy centers across this country, they are the heroes, David. I'm not the hero. They're the heroes. They're yes. the ones that are there for those others. Planned Parenthood's not going to be there, but the church will be through these pro-life uh, Christians. Well, you know, I, I, we, we know that everything that the enemy of life, of all things good, and of, of definitely everything of God, the enemy... He has to repay, you know, he, he, what he means for evil, God will turn around and use it for, for good. So I'm curious, how many interviews have you done since you were arrested last Saturday? I can't even, I can't even count them. That's all I do right now is just interview after interview. And what I'm thankful for is I got a twin brother and, and everybody's like, where's your twin brother? He's running our business, bro. I mean, we just launched an online info course that that really helps business owners through this whole COVID crisis. It's called Expert Ownership. He's running with that. And and we're consulting entrepreneurs across the country. And I tell people, we're job creators, man. I'm, yes. I love my community. I love my state. I love my city. I'm creating jobs, brother. But when I see something like this, I'm going to step in. And I, I'll tell you what, it's just awesome. Guys like you and others leveraging your platform. I mean, gosh, you got hundreds of thousands of people following you. And and I remember texting you and you just jumped right in. You were like, we are on it. You were already on it before I even texted you. Yeah, I saw the video. I shared it on my Instagram. It got it broke over 100,000 views in, I don't know, a couple of days. And I immediately, once I saw the video, I reached out to you and said, David, we've got to make this happen. I've been wanting to have you on for a long time, but that's how that's how the enemy can use something for bad and try to, oh, I'm going to teach this person. I'm going to put them in their place. I'm going to use the powers and the authorities of the people that I'm influencing is what I believe that the enemy is saying to try to shut this person up. And it just gets dumped on their head because now here you are going on all these different interviews, getting to talk about your nonprofit organization, getting to talk about why you support and champion life challenging people because people can't hear your message and not be challenged to take action themselves. You know, when it's a lot easier to sit on the sideline, not do anything when you see everybody else sitting on the sideline, not doing anything. But when you have a message of hope and courage and, and you're challenging us to say, what are you doing? What are we doing? We can all do something. It's a beautiful thing to see and to witness. And, and to your point, uh, calling out the church and calling out the pastors, that is the, that's what exactly what I felt was the issue. You know, we didn't get here because the laws of the land just became the laws of the land. I truly, I truly believe that as a country, our morality erodes with the church. 
with the church leadership, with the pastors and what they're teaching, talking about, or what they're not teaching or talking about. And, you know, you can speak from experience, I believe more so than myself, because you and your brother were literally about to have, I mean, you, you would have been, you easily would have been the chip in uh, Joanna Gaines, you know, with the house flippers, the, you know, in Waco, you easily would have been there and they're, they're worth millions and millions of dollars. So you literally had that opportunity put in your face you, they knew you stood up for life, but then they came back around and they threw something at you. And I remember, I, if you want to get into this, I remember you talking about it with me. Gosh, it's been a year ago now because it was January, I think last year, where you guys were actually, you were actually talking about and you were actually considering adjusting your brand, whether or not you should, talking to your pastor, but you were really put at a precipice where if you would have adjusted yeah. your tune or your brand or toned down your rhetoric, had you done that, you would have been one of the exact individuals that you're talking about, the people that sold out for the power, for the fame, for the money, and that and that stayed away from topics that, you know, in order to be in those public spotlights, you know, in the limelights, they're just taboo to talk about. Get into it a little bit. Was it was it difficult for you and your brother to not just you know, kowtow and bow basically to HGTV when they said you're going to have to tone this stuff down or you're not going to have a show. Was that was that was that truly a a hard thing for you guys to grapple with? Yeah, it was very hard. I mean, I'll tell you, when Jason and I got that HGTV platform, it was like, oh, my goodness, look at how amazing this thing's going to be. But we've learned that when God gives you something, you don't have to grip it with white knuckled tenacity. Because if he's going to take it from you, he's going to have to pry your fingers back. So we've learned to ho- take what God gives us and hold it with an open hand. And, and I'll tell you this, our, our platforms were given to us mm-hmm. for the purposes of God, not my own purposes. And listen, when, when David slew Goliath, he had no idea that day he was going to fight Goliath. He was just being faithful to do what his dad told him to do. You know, yes. I'm being faithful in business. You're being faithful. But then all of a sudden, boom, there's a Goliath. And he didn't get to choose what Goliath he was. He didn't get to choose. He just said, that's a Goliath. That's that's an agenda that is setting itself against God's best for human flourishing. And boom, he takes him out. It's the same thing with us. You know, I didn't get to choose that abortion would be the, the greatest manslaughter, the greatest murder of humans in human history. Yeah. Since 1980, 1.5 billion unborn children. I also did not get to choose the fact that marriage and human sexuality and what it means to be a male and a female were going to be, I was going to become a hater if I stood on the traditional foundational biblical values of what God says about those things. And then all of a sudden, Jason and I get smeared. And now I didn't want to lose my show, David. I've got to be honest with you. Jason and I spent time in prayer and we're like, man, maybe we can change our position because we really want to keep this thing in our hand that God has given us. And Mm. we learned, you know what? It's not about the platform. It's about the person who put that platform there in the first place. And why did he give it to us? And, And Jason and I, we didn't get fired. We didn't get fired, David, for having an opinion. We got fired for voicing an opinion. And in this country right now, you can have any opinion you want if you're a conservative or if you're a Christian, you can have those opinions all you want, but you better not bring voice to them. 
And you better not say that God has a better way, because if you say that, then we're going to smear you. We're going to twist narratives about you. We're going to lie about you. We're going to try and make you look as stupid as possible. Now, I tell people, it's easy to make my brother look stupid, but they even can make me look stupid, too. <laughs> so it's pretty fun, man. <laughs> but we were going to back out, bro. We really were. And then, by God's grace, I had a loving pastor. I sent the email to him, the email that we were going to send to the general manager at HGTV. And uh, we were already in the middle of our, we were four weeks into our 10-week film shoot. We were not even doing a, a pilot. It was going straight to series in the fall of October of 14. We sent the email, or we didn't send the email, but I sent it to my pastor. And it basically said, hey, I said, hey, pastor, will you read this and let me know if this sounds okay, because we want to send it to HGTV. And within three or four minutes, he sent back a scathing rebuke. How <laughs> dare you and your brother write something like this? Yeah. He, he said, how do you know that you weren't set apart to tear down the stronghold that's ransacking this nation? Hmm. You and your brother don't need to send that email. You need to repent. Man, wow. he was not being christ That was not Christ-like, right? According to today's <laughs> pixie stick Christianity, he wasn't acting very Christ-like. But I'll tell you, because here's what the email said. HGTV, here are our beliefs, and we are not going to back away from them. However, when we represent your network, we'll be quiet about them. Mm. And man, I knew that. I knew it wasn't right. I knew that email wasn't right in my heart. Because listen, David, how would it have been for, you know, 60, 70 years ago, 80 years ago, 100 years ago, for dudes like me, to sit quiet about brothers like you that weren't getting the fair shake in this country. Yeah. You know what? It was guys like me yeah. should stand and should be a voice for our black brothers and sisters. Yes. And it should be guys like us that stand and give voice for the unborn, for our pre-born brothers and sisters. Yes. And so, you know, thank God we never sent that email. As a matter of fact, we just doubled down and said, guys, uh-uh, this is the way it's going to be because we believe that God's ways are best. And it's best for human flourishing. And next thing you know, we're booted out of HGTV. Wow. Well, the fact that you, there's several things that stick out to me in there. The fact that you, A, you sought counsel, right? The fact that you sent it to a, your pastor. Everybody should have a mentor, somebody that they can bounce things off of, especially big decisions like that. The fact that you did that and then took that counsel and took that reprieve you know, Jesus was, you know, he's the one that looks Peter straight in the face and said, get behind me, Satan. You know, he, he that that is That's how right. Jesus was. He was, he would say it straight and he would set a brother, literally those disciples, he would tell them right to their faces yes. what they needed to hear. Sounds like your pastor told you what you exactly what you and your brother needed to hear. And Holy Spirit brought some conviction there that got brought peace and joy about making a decision that was literally, you know, you, you had to know, you had to believe that as you doubled down, you were going to lose your contract with uh, with HGTV and lose all the potential fame, all the potential money, everything that goes along with it. You had to feel that in your heart when you sent that letter doubling down to HGTV. Oh, we 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 felt it. But I'll tell you this, you know, you look at the difference between some of the celebrity pastors I was telling you about and that pastor that I sent to. He reminded me of scripture. And I went into Hebrews chapter 11 and I saw the great men and women of faith, David, and they were so filled with power. And, and they, they literally shook kingdoms. Yet none of them received what was promised, that only together with us would they be made complete. And I, I remember thinking, wow, 
I'm not suffering anything like the men and women of faith who've come before me. Even just as an American in general, we're not suffering anything like the early Americans had to suffer and like your black brothers and sisters had to suffer. And we're not suffering at all. But that's why I'm so passionate about not only First Amendment rights, but also our Christian responsibility. So to me, it's my rights and my responsibility. They work together that we like like what you were saying, you know, what what man means for evil, God intends for good. I can go on all these radio shows. I can speak with you and you and I can have this open conversation. Well, I'll tell you, if we don't really step up now and push back against this agenda, then your daughter and my son and all of the rest of our kids, they're not going to have these same freedoms. So yes. that's why I'm so passionate about it. Even if it costs me something, even if it costs me a reality show, yeah. you know what? I've already crossed that line in my heart now. I've decided, David, I'm following Jesus. I'm not turning back. And if and if I go out, I'll go. If I go down, I'll go down standing up. But I am not going to go down on my face before an agenda that is demanding we bow. I'm not bowing to it, and neither are you. Well, it makes me it makes me think about this. It makes me think about. You know, my wife and I were talking about this, I think last night, actually, the the, ten, the 40 days that Jesus went off and fasted. And for all of those listeners out there or viewers, if you're watching this, it, it, this is just, you know, the, the, there's so much life and strength in the Bible. There's so much. I love my good friend, Mike Lindell was in the Rose Garden last week and he had written some impromptu things and he shared, get back into your Bibles you know, get close to God. Use this time of self-isolation to get closer to your families, closer to God, and read your Bibles. And I spoke to Mike a lot since then, but one of the things he shared with me is that Target actually ran out of children's Bibles since he shared that. He was getting calls from all over the world of pastors and world leaders that said it was the talk of everything. Australia, it was trending for like two days there. But for you, to me, it's it's like the... It's like Jesus had fasted 40 days. He's He hasn't eaten. He's weak. You know, I, I can't imagine. I've fasted for a few days, but 40 stinking days, that's a long stinking time. And then to have the dark right. angel himself, Lucifer, literally tempting Jesus, he was offering. He, he took him up to a high place, and he said, I'll give you this. He took him up to a higher place. All the kingdoms of the world are mine. You can have them if you bow down and worship me. To me, it's really the exact same thing that you guys went through understanding what you had the potential to gain if you just stayed silent. It's why I wrote a book. I put it up because I'm packing. Why I couldn't stay silent. But you guys had the same opportunity to just choose to stay silent. And really, it's bowing to that power, if you will, that principality that says, we don't want your beliefs that are pro-life, that are standing up for traditional marriage, that are standing up for God. We will take you and all these other attributes, but we don't want, we don't want these beliefs. You had the opportunity right there. Had you taken it, you would have pushed yourself into a plateau, you and your brother, where it would have ate you alive every day, but the enemy would have continued right. to open up door, favor from the enemy, but favor with people, favor with man, more money, and it would have made it that much harder 
for you to eventually break away. But that is literally what happens, I think, to so many people every single day, especially as they're starting to rise in fame or success. I know it's happened to, uh, to me and I know I've stumbled quite a bit, but I've had a good track record the last, uh, the last few years or so. So it's literally the exact same thing that you guys went through. So I just applaud you for standing up for life, standing up for babies, standing up for God, and just becoming the role models that you men are. We need more men like you. You're good looking. You're, you're manly men. You're not afraid to share and speak your values, what you stand up for, what you believe. You know your Bible. You have a relationship with our amazing Papa God. You love Jesus. We need more of that in this country. I truly believe that we do. Amen. Well, hey, only what God has done in my life. You know, the scripture where Jesus said, he who is forgiven much loves much. Mm. And I love Jesus with all my heart because I've been forgiven of my sins. And trust me, my brother's been forgiven of all his sins. too. (laughs) Uh, But I'll tell you this, you know, just every everything that you're saying. and, And we are in a moment where when you get back to scripture, like you were talking about scripture, you're talking about all of these things. And there's a there's a very I'll make this story very quick, but there's a story about Esther and her uncle Mordecai said, hey, you have a position of influence. You have a platform. You have the ear of the king. And if you remain silent at this time, hope and deliverance will come from another source. Mm. But how do you know you weren't saved for such a time as this? And, yes. and, and Esther had a choice at that moment. I can go to the king and risk death. Or I can sit silent and not fulfill God's purpose for my life. And I'm telling you right now, your listeners, that God has a purpose for your life. And it is certainly not to sit silent right now when the cries of the unborn are crying out from the ground. And when a radical agenda is coming hard against voices of truth, coming hard against conservative Christian voices. And that agenda is demanding silence. And we have to say, okay, I could die. In other words, I could die to my platform. Thank God we're not being hung. Thank God we're not losing our heads like they are overseas. This isn't real persecution. It's pressure. But that pressure is going to turn to persecution if we don't speak up. So I'm calling every pastor, every leader, every author, every entrepreneur, every teacher, every athlete, every musician, Use your position of influence right now to be a voice for both our rights and our responsibilities as Christians. Absolutely. And I just can't help but feel, I really feel this in my heart right now, that there's individuals that are watching or listening to this that are being stirred up. They're being challenged. Maybe they're battling some shame. Maybe they're battling some fear, but they feel something right now. And I believe that that is God pressing on them and tugging on their heart and trying to wipe away the shame and trying to give them courage to just trust in him. Would you just pray for everybody watching and listening right now? Just whatever you feel on your heart that God is leading you to pray. Just say a prayer for for everybody listening. And I just before I pray, I just want to say this to your listeners. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. There is nothing, no amount of sin in your life that will separate you from the love of God. And he loves you so much that if you turn to him, he'll forgive you and change you from the inside out. And he'll put a new song in your mouth and he'll stand your feet on a rock. I've been there. I've been chained to sin. I've been caught in sin, but Jesus has set me free. And now 
I can be as bold as a lion. It says the wicked flee, though none pursue, but the Mm. righteous are as bold as a lion because he set us free. So let me pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much for those that are listening to this. Those that are watching this, I pray right now in your name Mm. that you would touch the hearts of these people. Thank you for touching my heart. Thank you for touching David's heart. Lord, we come to you as sinners saved by grace. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that those listening and watching would turn to you, that they would confess their sin to you, that they would turn and repent, and that they would look to you and put their faith, hope, and trust in you right now. Mm -hmm. Jesus, you save even the worst of sinners like me. Yes. And I know you can save them. Lord, fill them with your hope. Fill them with your love. Let them know that before they were formed in their mother's womb, you knew them. Your eyes saw their unformed substance. Lord, you have counted their days and you have a purpose for their lives. They are not a mistake. You know the number of hairs on their heads. So bless them with your presence. And Lord, send an awakening. Send a revival to this nation and let it begin with us. We love you and bless you. And Lord, we stand against the works of Satan. For these mothers facing unplanned pregnancies, Lord, for these mothers that feel they have no choice, Lord, I pray mobilize the church to help them. Mobilize the church to step into the brokenness and not to run away from it. Lord, for those that are stuck in sin, Lord, I pray mobilize men and women that can step into their lives and walk alongside them and be there for them. And be your voice. And God, I pray that you would turn us back to your word. Mm. Lord, your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, it will change us all from the inside out. We love you, Jesus. And we're praying for a move. We're praying, Holy Spirit, fill this land. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That was so good, brother. I felt God's presence. If you're watching or listening and you just felt tingles or goosebumps or warmth or peace, Whatever, whatever it, it may be that you felt me, I get tingles all over me. I feel, I feel joy. I feel peace. That is Holy Spirit. That is God's presence literally here on earth confirming the words that we just heard David pray. Uh, now, before you get out of here, David, I want to talk to you about the president. How do you think our president, Donald Trump, is doing for this country before COVID-19? We'll talk about that. And then I want to ask you about COVID really quick. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, you know, the economy has been fantastic, but even just not just the economy, but being a a voice for life. He's more pro-life than any president we've ever had. And and I'm telling you, it is amazing to see what he's been doing uh, just with the federal judges and religious freedom and all of these things. You know, I got to be honest with you, David, I was pushing hard for Ted Cruz and and when uh, President, when when Donald Trump won the nominee, I mean, I was really, I had to, I had to really wrestle with myself, and I began to pray, and I asked God, Lord, what are you saying? Like, what, what is going on here? And just me standing on the outside looking in, watching him take on the media, watching him slowly drain the swamp, watching him really take on the agenda of darkness that that is raging against anything that remotely resembles the image of God mm-hmm. from gender to sexuality, to marriage, to life, to constitutional government, to capitalism, to hard work, to individual responsibility, all of these things. 
And I've really been proud of this, uh, of a lot of the things that he's done. And then in the midst of the COVID crisis, I, t- I asked my wife, I said, what do you think the president's going to do? And, you know, his first press conference, he had brought all of the private sector, these big executives from all these major corporations in and said, we're pulling the private sector because guess what? Government doesn't have an answer. We are the government. Yes. And so I've got Google here. I've got Target. I've got Walmart. I've got CVS. I have Walgreens. I've got all of these people. We're pulling together resources and we're going to have a private public partnership to come together. What was all of these that are competitors are now teammates to come together in this national crisis. And I think that was an absolutely fantastic move. I cannot imagine if Joe Biden was president right now or Bernie Sanders was president right now. Or Hillary Clinton. What would happen with the expansion of government? The government is not going to fix this. Now, look, we had this whole relief package and potentially followed up by a stimulus bill. I'm a small government guy. I understand people need some relief. And, and okay, those, that's a whole other conversation. But what yeah. we're seeing with our president really saying, hey, listen, it's the private sector. Get the chains off of them. Let them go. Because, listen, man, I have employed hundreds of people, bro. And, yeah. and, and I want just let us loose. Let us go. Let yes. us practice social distancing, but let's free the economy. And I'm so thankful that we have a voice in the White House that is really ho- helping to mobilize that. He's continued to invite individuals of faith to come in and pray and give guidance. And, and he welcomes it, unlike any past president that I've heard of doing. And I've, I've got a lot of friends that have spoke at different events for past presidents, the past three to four presidents. And they've one thing I've always heard that separates Donald Trump from past presidents is past presidents would always go so far as to want to know what they were going to say, pray, or scriptures they were going to read, and then would actually dictate what they could pray, say, or read. This president just says, you got free reign. Just go. Whatever you feel like God shares for you, gives you to share or gives you to read, just do it. It's an absolutely beautiful thing yeah, I, for those I, believers uh, to have a champion like that in the White House. Yeah, you know, and I know several folks like like yourself, many others that speak to the president, and uh, they tell me, "Oh no, it's it's the real deal. He is wide open. His ears are open to wisdom at the table, and uh, I- including the Republican platform. When I looked at the platform, uh, just as President Trump was nominated." And Tony Perkins came in from the Family Research Council and submitted some 26 amendments that were all real value stuff. And President Trump goes, "Okay, approve them all. I mean, it's just like, that's great. (laughs) Great. You know, just let the people of faith be the people of faith. You know, he's not out there saying he's a uh, he's a pastor. He's not out there, you know, necessarily going on a a repentance crusade for all of his past exploits. And at some point, maybe he would do that. But. What he's doing is he's saying, hey, let the people of faith be the people of faith, okay, for heaven's sakes. And and I'm like, yes, yes. What is your final question? What's your current message to everybody listening right now while we we are still self-isolating and in the middle of this pandemic? What's your message to to all of us? Well, I I think it's on two levels of faith and fear. On the the fear side of things, I believe... uh, you know, it's important for us to love our neighbor as ourselves mm-hmm. and to practice some social distancing. But what we're also starting to see now is uh, the radical left never lets a crisis go to waste. 
and we're seeing gross government overreach and we're seeing the crippling of an economy, it could not play better into the hands of those that stand against our capitalistic system or stand against our values or stand against individual responsibility and just free enterprise. I mean, it's it's really crippling us. And so I'm like, let's get back to work. Let's just really take abundant precaution, which we can. We can do this because, you know, flu seasons are around the corner anyway. It's going to come back. I mean, something yeah. like this is going to happen. You know, and there are people smarter than me that are talking to these things. But on the faith side of things, I really think that the message to the people of faith is this, that we are called to love our neighbors as ourselves, both born and pre-born. We have drastically altered our behavior to preserve our own lives. Mm. Will we drastically alter our behavior to preserve the lives of the most vulnerable among us? Wow. And in the midst of this COVID crisis, let's let that be a word picture. Let's let this actually be a picture for us of will we truly love like Christ tells us to love and lay our lives down? Oh, we'll certainly love ourselves, but will we love our neighbor when this COVID-19 lifts? And that's my challenge to the Christian community is to step in and become, don't just talk pro-life, be pro-life and be for the lives of the unborn. So good. I love it. David, thank you so, so much for uh, choosing to join me today. It was truly an honor to be with you, my brother. Tell Jason I'd love to have him on. I'd love to hear more about your businesses, especially your newest endeavor where you're teaching businesses how to navigate and even grow during this current COVID-19 crisis. I'd love to hear more about that. But thank you for thank you so much for joining me today. God bless you. Excited for what God is doing in your life, what the enemy meant for harm. God is going to use it all for your favor and all for your blessing and your good. And you haven't even begun to know and see the good things that God has in store for you and your family and your brother. So God bless you. You too, bro. Thanks so much for having me, Dave. Absolutely. We'll see you next time. Friends, we need more individuals like David and his brother that are standing up for the values that so many of us hold so dear. And and a lot of Americans, you don't even have to be Christians to honor the unborn. But I believe the fact that you do honor the unborn means that there's a part of you that does recognize that they've been created. And for them to have been created and to be cherished means that there is a creator. And I absolutely believe that that creator loves you He loves you so much that he allowed his only son to come down and pay the ultimate price. And it was a torturous one just so that you and I could be reconnected to the father. It's a beautiful thing that we have called a relationship. It's not about religion. So God bless you guys. Please, if this if this blessed you, share this episode with friends. Send it out to friends, family members. Let's all uh, support David Benham. Check out citiesforlife.org as his organization. And uh, we'll see you all next time. God bless. Bye-bye.